Hey, this is Heather Konopka with C21 Commercial in Dallas, Fort Worth. I specialize in multifamily. If you want to learn more about multifamily investments, listen to my friend Sam Newell's podcast on recession-proof real estate investing. Welcome to the Recession-Proof Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm Sam Newell, your host, and it is my goal to educate you on how to make profitable, low-risk real estate investments that will cash flow through any economy. I interview the top real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the country to find out what they have learned and implemented since the 2008 recession. With over 10 years in real estate investing, it has become my goal to help others invest for double-digit returns but to also stay safe and not get caught in the next downturn. Tune in and become recession-proof. All right, Heather, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm really excited to have you on. You and I have been talking multifamily for over a year now, yeah. and I just think you're one of the, the top brokers I, I talk to on a consistent basis, and you're at a DFW, which we love that market as well. So first of all, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm, you know, surviving and keep pressing on. You haven't killed your family yet. I mean, most of us are getting a little tired of, of our family at home after two, three weeks in quarantine, but it sounds like you guys are doing okay. We're doing okay. Yeah, the kids are good. We've got a lot of space, which I think we're fortunate. So we all can ex escape to some part of the house. Very nice. Very yeah. nice. Well, I just locked my uh, office door. We'll see if I get a two-year-old or a six-year-old <laughs> banging on it. But no, th thanks for for being on. You're, you're a great broker, a um, friend of mine, and someone who I, I really appreciate having on this show because I really want people to hear from someone like you who has so many years and deals under under your belt as far as selling multifamily and, and being in the trenches in this. So first of all, I just want to know what made you want to get into real estate and, and selling commercial and multifamily real estate? You know, it's been a, it's been a long time, Sam, probably before you were born. 20, over 25 years ago, I got into the business. Um, okay. I was a flight attendant with American Airlines and I taught aerobics. And there was somebody who attended my class religiously every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, arrived in a suit. And when he left, he was back in his suit. And I'm like, what do you do where you can wear a suit every day? And he's like, oh, I do real estate. and You should really try it. And I'm like, oh no, I'll never sell real estate. <laughs> <laughs> never say never. I originally got into residential in 96. Mm -hmm. And okay. hey, I was born then. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. You were two. <laughs> I was 11. I was 11. Oh, I guess my I goodness. Young. I got a haircut. I look a little younger today. <laughs> Quickly got into to the residential side and was doing very well. Um, had some very dear friends that owned uh, multifamily and really got inspired to become a buyer. I'm making, you know, excess money at the time of what we were living on and really thought, okay, this is the way to go. So I start in 99, 2000, I start analyzing multifamily properties and looking at them from an investor standpoint to buy them. And so I went to my residential company that I was with and told my office manager that, hey, I'm gonna do commercial real estate. And by the way, I'm gonna buy this apartment complex. And he was like, oh boy, oh, wow. <laughs> anybody can do it, Heather, you probably could, but go get your CCIM designation. Mm -hmm. So um, we did have computers back then. Okay. And I did log on and I quickly typed in CCIM and I found out what that was. And I started on my designation in 2001. For, so for our listeners, what does CCIM mean? CCIM mean? CCIM is a certified commercial investment member. I think about 8% of all brokers uh, obtain the designation. It is a, just an in-depth understanding of commercial real estate. The 
analytical side, which is so much what I'm about. And I love the number side. So really understanding the deal, you know, not just your basic NOI or cap rate, but really getting into the, the nuts and bolts of it. Right. I think you're my first CCIM on the show. I also have my CCIM. I got that about four years ago. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's really intense. I mean, you really have to learn the <clears throat> investment and commercial aspect of real estate to be able to pass those tests and get that designation. So good job. Thank you. I got my designation in 05 and okay. probably one of the best moves I made. So great advice from that office manager who ironically I saw at a retirement party two weeks ago. Oh wow. And I told him that story, how that really trajectory changed my life. And he was, he's now in his eighties and it made him feel good. So cool. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So, so you got your CCIM and you started as a buyer, which I think is really cool because that's how I started as well. I started flipping homes in Provo, Utah. And my agent that I was using said, well, you know, if you can knock doors and I was paying for school by knocking doors, selling pest control and <laughs> all over the country each summer. And he, she said, you know, if you can do that, you can sell real estate. So I got my real estate license, but it's funny, yeah. kind of the same thing. I was looking for myself and investing before I was ever trying to sell real estate. Yeah. It morphed into something interesting and getting into the commercial aspect of it. Um, I left that residential company and moved on to a different company. I spearheaded a commercial division there. Uh, it was really interesting. And then I was working on a seven and a half million dollar deal and the seller didn't want to sign a contract because I was still connected, affiliated with a residential company. And um, after about 15 minutes on the phone and talking with me, he's like, okay, you know your stuff. I'll sign the contract. We'll get the deal done. And we did close it. I believe that was 06. So, you know, it's a, it's been an interesting road. Awesome. So, and, and that's one thing I do like about you is you, you know, your stuff, you've got answers. The problem with typical multifamily brokers is they throw a pro forma at you. That's <laughs> they probably haven't even looked at. They had their inexperienced assistant put together and and so that's one thing I know Michael and my other partners appreciate about you is, you know, your stuff, you, you know, the details, you understand deals, you understand what a buyer is looking for. You're not just trying to pitch a slick looking OM at us and, and hope that we're, we're dumb enough not to look at the actual details. So I do appreciate that about you. So, so you did that in 06, you, you've spearheaded your own divisions, you've had your own commercial divisions. Fast forward, you know, DFW got hit, maybe not quite as hard as some areas, but <laughs> You, uh, you got started before the crash. You saw the crash. I'm kind of curious, any lessons you've learned or anything you really saw during the 2008, 9, 10 time period? Great question. You know, it was the best of times. It was 05, 06, 07. When Lehman Brothers crashed, I believe it was July 12th, 2008, when they closed their doors, our world changed. Yeah. You know, I think we were underwriting deals. There were some 85, 90% LTVs. There were some <laughs> one, one, five on a, a debt service coverage ratio and just getting, you know, marginal. And back then prices were maybe 25, 35,000 a door for some C-class deals. I'd love you know, to see B-class maybe a little bit higher, but I've had guys buy things at 5,000 a door. Um, oh my gosh. Back in the day, right? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and now and those are 125. Sorry, Heather, for our listeners, some people may not know what a DCR is or oh. net coverage ratio. Um, basically, what she was saying, guys, is that buyers were, you know, putting 10 to 15% down payments down, which is never a great idea. 
and they, the mortgage was only covered by the rent by a, a marginal ratio of just over 1%. And minimum these days is at least 1.25 for most banks. So what she was saying is the deals were getting a little bit crazy, a little bit thin, and, and people were buying deals maybe that weren't the best. I think that's that's a fair statement. I think we the lenders at the time weren't really looking at the buyer's stability or their net worth. It was really just about the property and everything was based on the property. If the property could perform and you know it met the ratio. Sorry, mm -hmm. I, I do talk in a lot of lingo. So no problem. But you know, they deals were getting done. And what really changed, I obviously in the market was a correction that I think I think a correction needed to happen. Right. Obviously, I do believe that. Obviously, it impacted my business, the people I was working with. A lot of deals I had sold, I've seen them lose their deals. And, wow. you know, I go back to think about that now and think, wow, if I could have bought that deal and held on to it and, you know, be here now where it would be so amazing. But yep. one thing I do know is every time period has a correction mm -hmm. and we get through it we will come out of this it is this is what what's happening right now isn't permanent and it didn't originate as a financial crisis that certainly back then was and you know when lending mm -hmm. dried up that's when the deals stopped the people with cash you know might still have done deals or they were a little more uh you know particular or some of them just held on to it so right, um right. but it's it's the lending side as long as uh capital is available lending is available we will see deals get done so, so explain that in a little bit more detail because people like me were in school. I was going <laughs> to school. My sales, you know, so I was selling in 2008, I was in Philadelphia, selling alarm systems door to door. That's where they oh sent me gosh. that summer. The next summer, no, that was, yeah, that was 2000, 2009 was tough. I went to New Jersey that summer to sell alarms. I was going to school for construction management. I wasn't paying attention to the economy. I knew my sales were down and I knew people were talking about it. Yeah. But I'd love to hear your perspective because you saw lending dry up. How did that affect your business and the, the DFW market as a whole? What did you see in 2008 and nine? Um, how did it really, what really happened? Wow. It's one of those things I really want to block out <laughs> <laughs> and I don't really visit a lot. It was detrimental to a lot of people, a lot of families, including mine. I mm -hmm. think there was a lot of things that didn't survive. So it, it was gloom. Yeah. It was my, my girls were in private schools and you know, the bills keep coming, the mortgage kept coming and you've got to, you know, find your way to, to maintain. So it was a, a challenging time. You know, I think as we started to get, you know, into 10 and 11, started to see a little bit of a correction. Um, but I had some, there were some low years. Yeah, that's tough. Would you say average deals were cut in half? I mean, were people doing them 50% of the deals they were doing as far as realtors go? Were they doing 25%? I'd say more like, you know, 60 to 70% were cut. So that's a huge reduction in business yeah. for you. That's, oh yeah, it, I it mean, was for, huge. for everyone. Yeah, it was, it was really across the board. I mean, I had set my goals, you know, usually to, to do very well uh -huh. and had some phenomenal years and all of a sudden you're, you know, a fraction of that. And you're like, okay, how am I going to, you know, yeah. make ends meet? And, but, you know, truly really by the grace of God and, you know, we carried on and so made it through. <laughs> right. Right. So. Well, and so I'm curious, you know, we're going through coronavirus. I'm a, already as a broker seeing deals dry up and, or not dry up, but maybe 
people canceling deals because they're scared because of the uncertainty. Uh, I just told you a minute ago, we're getting ready to write an offer on a deal, but we told them, look, we're going to wait till the end of April. We're, we're not going to sign this contract to the end of April, at least see what happens. And, and that's happening all over the country. But I thought you had a really good point. 2008 was a financial crisis, a correction absolutely needed to happen because of lending and unscrupulous lenders, unscrupulous buyers, people way over leveraged. Today, I've seen people buying homes beyond their means. There's certainly multifamily deals trading at prices that I feel are, I don't understand how they're going to actually make money and how they're quote unquote recession proof. Anything we buy is, as you know, we're ultra conservative. And so I'm just kind of curious, what do you think the difference is? And, and I know you can't tell the future, but between the coronavirus shutdown and, and maybe do you think it'll be have anywhere near the effect that to, the 2008 crash did? Well, yeah, if only I had a crystal ball um, <laughs> I'll hold you to your, to your, to it. We'll see. I, I definitely believe this obviously is a health. It's a global health crisis uh-huh. um, that is having a huge impact on our current economy. I'm very hopeful drugs will come become available, uh, vaccines and things that we can, you know, be prepared maybe six, eight months down the road when the flu season comes back into play. Yeah. But I think as, you know, our, our weather gets warmer, I think we're gonna see, you know, the curve or the tapering off and mm-hmm. reach the apex of the of the virus. On the economy side, I feel like, and I can speak for Dallas Fort Worth, I feel like we're in a great place we're at some you know a great crossroads it's going to impact us it is obviously impacting us the question is how long will that last you know people by nature are we are social creatures you know we want to go to our restaurants we want to go to you know uh whatever religious facility you want to be out and about you want to do things and we're going to get back to that. Um, it might be a very different format, but you know, 51% of our spending on food was in restaurants. Mm-hmm. And you know, people are like questioning, well, why? You know, how can we be out of food at the grocery store? Well, when you think about now, that 51%, maybe even it's only 50, because you might still have some people who are really relying on the, at the restaurants, which is not a bad thing. We need to support them right yeah. now. I love DoorDash. I DoorDash. I, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely, I know we'll get out of this. We'll come out of it. The question is, how long will that correction remain? I think what we're going to see, and I can speak for Dallas-Fort Worth, is I think we're going to see a strong sector on the industrial side, mm-hmm. because there's going to need to be places for things to be warehoused for all of the things that we're now buying online and all that. So it's going to have to come from somewhere. And then I think that our housing market is, is the barrier to entry for a new buyer to buy a home is higher than it was, of course, in the past. I think that's going to create a more of a need for multifamily. So I, you know, while all of the class A stuff that's being built is beautiful, I think what we've got to look at from a, you know, wider viewpoint is some, what I call workforce housing, which isn't, you know, affordable housing. It's not section eight. It's not, it's just more affordable. It might not have the granite countertops or all the things or Mm -hmm. all the bells and whistles or all the amenities, but it's going to be a place where people can call home that they're going to be safe and that they can afford without it being astronomical. So it's real interesting what what may happen. I am still negotiating on multiple deals right now. I did receive a request for a 90-day extension on one deal. My seller said no. Buyers have come in with a 30-day. 
I had okay. another deal move from a closing of April 9th to April 30th. So mm -hmm. we're still, you know, in the game. It's really interesting. And, you know, I, if nothing else, we're, we're getting connected, yeah. maybe slowing down a little bit and maybe revamping or rethinking how we work. Right. Absolutely. Are you seeing lenders change or panic or anything from the commercial lending side that worries you? Yes, definitely. I hate to use the word worry and I don't want to operate out of fear, but you know, that as long as the lending stays available, we're going to be in good shape, but obviously they're going to need to see the continuous 90% occupancy, economic occupancy for three months. And yeah. it might delay closings on multifamily unless they revise you know, those requirements, mm -hmm. but I think that would also change down payment. I think that'll change your debt service coverage ratio. So I think there's a lot of other things that would come into play with that. So I've talked with some lenders that they're still lending. They're still talking, you know, one of the interesting parts is, you know, while the 10 year treasury, which is where we've gauged a lot of our lending, usually 250 basis points above the 10 year is not the case anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, our 10 years down to today, it was dropped at a uh, 0.61 or something, which is really low. Yeah. But it's no longer just 200 basis points above that, you know? So there's still, um, I've got a group working on a deal that's just four and a quarter, which wow. to me, to me seems high. But if yeah. you think about, oh my gosh, back in the day, that's really a great <laughs> rate. Buy yeah. as much as you can at the lowest interest rate, even Seriously. at four and a quarter. Seriously. Well, and, and that's one thing I'm excited for is I actually think the slowdown you know, you never want to see people hurt, but I think there's going to be some huge opportunity because A, I think people are going to put the brakes on. There's going to be some investors that just stop. There's going to be some people that take a pause. And, and for me and my investors and my groups and my partners, I'm saying, look, to Heather's point, let's buy everything we possibly can at yeah. 4%. This is amazing. <laughs> We're, right. Who knows how long this will last? But mm -hmm. so... So 2008 was a financial meltdown. We're seeing an affordability crisis still. And I think that's what's going to save us. You know, if you look at the policies that the government's putting into place, the first thing they look at is people can't be homeless. You know, right. we can't have evictions. We can't have mass evictions. We can't have people losing their homes or their properties. And so there's mortgage forgiveness and evictions are on hold. And they jumped on that really fast. Mm -hmm. And would you say it took them quite a while to help homeowners and property owners in 2008, 9, 10? Absolutely. It took them forever. I mean, absolutely. And there, absolutely. in my opinion, there was predatory lending going on. There was, there was mm -hmm. lenders. Yeah. I had friends in my neighborhood who had no equity, who were not being foreclosed on. I had, you know, bought a house in 2010 and, and there was people that, as soon as the, the market crashed, they had a hundred, 200,000 in equity. They lost their homes immediately were forced yeah. out by the bank. So it's very interesting what we, we have this amazing benchmark of 2008, nine, 10, that great recession and the government has it as well. So I think we're going to be much better off in this coronavirus scare because of that. We have so much to look, look to and, and examples of what the government did poorly what investors did poorly, what banks did poorly. So I'm very hopeful. I think we're going to be just fine. I think we're going to bounce back very strong to your point. People want to get out. They want to be social. They just want to get back to their normal lives. And yes, there's people losing jobs right now, but I don't think there's as really companies going away. I think it's temporary for the hotel I own. We haven't fired anyone. There's, 
we're, we're taking advantage of the SBA paycheck protection program. Right. So for the next right. eight weeks, our paychecks are protected and mm-hmm. I'm doing it for my real estate assistant and my research assistant. And, and I'm very thankful for that because I really did not want to fire anyone in, in a crazy yeah, time no. like this. That's the worst thing I could ever think of is telling someone you're a great employee, but I don't have money to pay you because mm-hmm. no one's staying at the hotel. So I think the government's doing some really, really good things, but let's move on. Let's not dwell on this. I really want to talk multifamily with you. And I want our listeners, my friends and, and mutual syndicators and, and investors to reach out to you because you really understand multifamily. So let's remove coronavirus craziness. Let's <laughs> pretend we're two months ago, just, just drumming along in, in the DFW marketplace Tell me about multifamily, where you're at and what you're seeing. And you already kind of talked about the need for workforce housing, but tell me about the deals you're doing. So the deals I'm doing are primarily your, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s construction. A lot of them have had some lift or some improvement. Maybe um, it's at a point where some of the sellers have done some of the work and they're ready to move to a larger property or I don't have anyone... I only have one guy getting out of the business. Again, this is a two months ago, mm-hmm. selling all of his properties, getting out of the business into single tenant triple nets. I don't know if that'll be the same uh, in a couple months. Yeah, that would be interesting <laughs> to find out, right? Yeah, to say there's opportunities. Okay, there's not opportunities like you're going to buy an eight cap in our Dallas Fourth Market. Right. You have to look at your time of holding. You can't just look. Oh, I want an eight cap. You've got to look at your your whole time. You've got to look at your cash on cash. You've got to look at so many other. Uh, factors when underwriting an investment and not just be so hard set, oh, I've got to have this cap rate. So um, our cap rates have been hovering around the six, a little below, a little above, depending on, you know, the C-class. If you get into your B markets, you're going to be in the lower fives. Mm -hmm. Uh, You get over A's, you're over, it's under under five, mid fours. So it really just depends on, you know, what an investor's tolerance is and what they're looking for. A lot of 1031s I work on, mm-hmm. you know, people have got to place money. They've got to, you know, go somewhere with it. You know, multifamily, the way I, one reason I love it so much is people will always need a place to live. Yep. The re- retail is not my thing, but multifamily, everyone will need a place to live. So whether those rents will increase at the pace that they've gone, I don't think so. Even if they level off, t- 